I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. Okay, it's clear to me now as I'm studying this that his heart is starting to get touched, that he's starting to have a what I would call a spiritual encounter. It's gone from being just a conversation to a spiritual encounter with God. And he realizes that he's dealing with something from God himself. He freaks out a little bit and he screeches out, Alas! Now you only say alas when something is astounding. Okay? We never say alas in our culture. But we might go, Oh my God, perhaps. Or, Oh my, this is amazing. They would say Alas, okay? You should use that in a sentence a couple times this week. It'll freak people out. Alas, it's you. Alas, you brought me a Coke. Thank you. Okay, so he's, he's astounded. And I'm telling you this astoundedness is a spiritual encounter, okay? Okay? And the Lord said to him, Peace, do not be afraid. You're not going to die. I love that. It's going to be all right. But it had to be a powerful moment. I mean, maybe Gideon's quivering. Maybe he's emotional. Who knows? And the angel comforts him and says, It's going to be all right, dude. You're not going to die. But you have just met with God. Mm. Gideon's a mess. And the angel of the Lord tells him, It's going to be okay. Verse 24, though, is where it gets really interesting to me. Not that it's not already. It says this. So, Gideon built an altar to the Lord. He built an altar, so Gideon built an altar to the Lord there, right then and there, and he called it, the Lord is peace. That's a moving picture to me. The spiritual guy, my heart is always hungry for spiritual things. And when I see this image of this guy who at one moment is a coward, now building an altar, my soul is starting to bubble up inside of me. It's a moving picture. And here's a, there's a lot here. And, and let me begin by just saying what happened here to me is conversion. He's being changed. This is a moment of reformation for him. And I'm going to go so far as to say it's a moment of salvation. You know, the preacher preaches all the time. And the preacher says, if you want to come to know the Lord, bow your head and pray with me. We do that all the time. And that's great. That's fine. But here's what we're hoping for. We're hoping that every person who bows their head has a spiritual encounter with God. Because that changes us. Spirit changes flesh. Isn't that good? Spirit of God. You need the Spirit of God. I want you to be believing. And then I want you to understand that spirit thing is a big deal. And it's important to all of us that we start having and that we have in our lives spiritual connections. This is Gideon's moment. He goes away to bring back this meal of blessing, and God turns it into a sacrifice. Because sacrifices are what gets burned on an altar. So lots of symbolism there. And this is a supernatural burning moment as Gideon, in my words, gets right with God. Gideon, who was blaming God, is now worshiping God. That's a life change. I love it. And there's something special about that. And God goes along with his request for a sign. He burns up the offering. God is so cool. You can ask God whatever you want. It's up to him. But I'm telling you guys, God will take what you give him and will find a way to let it bless you. But the first place he's got to bless you 
is spiritual. It's spiritual. It's deep in your soul. And all of this that's taking place here is, is about finding personal faith. It's about coming to believe that the fire you meet with God when you seek God, for us in our world, is, is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's been here this morning. He's here right now. He's moving in our midst as we sang our songs before Him. There's a fire in us. And the Holy Spirit comes into our life and it lights us up with faith and belief. We're never without hope because the Holy Spirit takes over. We can always pray. We can always pray. In the Old Testament, the altar is where uh, God met men. And we still make altars today. This is sort of an altar here. Some churches would have what they would call a literal altar. We still make them today. But the most significant one is the altar that's in your heart. This ancient altar was an outward symbol of something happening on the inside for Gideon. I love it so much. But when Gideon builds this altar, that's the significant thing. He makes a break with his unbelieving past. And he says, I'm ready to be a worshiper. And in that culture, in that day, he's turning his back on false gods. And he's saying, I'm in to the true God. Now, that was a crazy time in history. All kinds of false gods. And guys, we still have false gods all around us. Gods that try to get our attention. Gods who try to interfere with the worship of the true God. And we're going to see in his life that he's very different. And what we're starting to see here is a sense of empowerment. God's going to bring power into his life as he does for us. Empowerment by the Holy Spirit burns away paralysis and even doubt. And some of us need that. So Gideon names his altar to continue the kind of the Bible study. And he calls it, the Lord is peace. And that's because I believe Gideon found peace. Peace with God. And that's what happens when we truly come to God. We find peace. Our, our, our heart fills up with unexplainable peace. And then when you have a problem and a challenge in life, guess what? You turn to the Lord, and guess what happens again? Your heart fills up with unexplainable peace. Peace. Crazy thing. The enemy of our souls has convinced so many that if they follow Christ, they're going to lose peace. They're going to lose joy, and they're not going to have fun. That's a lie. John 14 and 7, Jesus made it clear. He said, I'm about peace. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Okay, I don't give you the same thing the world gives. I give you supernatural, spirit-empowered peace. Once again, I want to say it. You get it when you're saved. You get it when you find your moment of conversion. And then in life, when you run into a, a bumpy place, your heart turns. You find it again. So guys, this altar is a very significant part of what has happened in Gideon's heart. It's, it's a symbol to us today. And every one of us has to find an altar in our lives if we're going to follow God seriously. So part of what's happened when God intersects our lives is we build altars. This series is about working on this question of what happens when God moves in our life, when he intersects with us as we do soul work. My prayers in this series by seeing how God moved in the lives of some of these people that you'll be encouraged and you'll learn something deep about how God is working in your life. Maybe things you haven't been aware of before you become more aware of because here's an important truth. A healthy soul decides the success of everything else in your life. Period. Your soul being in the right place is the foundation for winning everything that you've got to do. 
Soul work is where you make the biggest decision of all. And, and, and you also make a ton of other decisions. And you, you lay some things down in life that are going to be a certain way forever. And God blesses that. And so I believe it is through our questions that God can begin to work in our lives. Questions aren't bad. They're time for us to be raw and honest with God. And you've got to do that. I remember one time I was providing some counseling to a lady who was struggling. She was feeling far from God. She, she didn't feel free to worship. And, and she just simply said to me, Pastor, I just have so many questions. And, and I just don't feel like I'm pleasing God if I ask the questions. I said, tell me what the questions are. And we talked through all the questions. I said, take every one of those questions to God. He can handle it. Years later, she wrote me, I'm still asking questions of the Lord. And I'm drawing closer to him. I still ask him tons of questions. Questions are okay. It's a starting point. I promise you, God can handle it. And so maybe in your New Year's journal, you need to make a list of questions for God. Start there. And here's the first note of the message of the day for you. When you're ready to win in life, God's way, very simple statement, start a conversation with God. You say, well, that's obvious, Rob. Well, we forget to do it. Keep those conversations with God going. They may be questions. They may be moments where you just marvel and you're wondering. But question, question, dive in, seek, write things down. I really encourage you to be people who, when you pray, you write things down. When you Bible study, Make a note. Put it in your phone. Write it down in an old-fashioned paper journal if you want to. Write down a thought. Write down a question. And later, look and see what God has done with that question in your life. I found some notes recently, yeah, about a year ago, the things I wrote when I was way, way, way back in my 30s. It's phenomenal how so many of those things God has settled in my life. And I was writing them down. They were big questions for me. Ask new questions. And remember last time I said, people who do great things for God don't start great. Great requires time with God. It just does. So I want you to be prepared. Like this quarterback went through all sorts of things to get prepared. And suddenly his time came. It was frustrating for him. And as he practiced, his emotions probably toughened up. And as you practice with God, as you ask questions with God, as you have prayer time with God, you will grow spiritual muscles. You'll grow emotional muscles with God and you'll start to feel more confident about things. And you'll start to have experiences. And if you write things down and, and that'll help you remember how God did that and God did that, you'll have more confidence as you write down the new questions and start to see the things that God is going to do. I am confident of this. God is ready to answer your prayers. He is. So believe and pray those prayers. That's what God wants to do when he intersects with us. And so the first step for Gideon was to get his heart in the right place with God. And those began with his conversation with God, with his questions, and that led him to an altar. I want you to see that. This is a beautiful story. God's words and God's ways will take you where you need to go. Believe it. God will prepare you daily, small steps. Learn to hear his voice. I don't care your age or your experience with God. It's all the same. But then he's going to move you forward. And as he moves you forward, here's what's next is you're winning. You've got to build an altar in your heart for God. And I'm choosing my words carefully there. I'm asking you to build the altar. I wouldn't care if you built a real altar. You might think that's strange. Some people have done that. That's not going to save you. But there is a symbolism to you saying, first of all, I want the world to know. 
I have built an altar to God, the true God, and I'm going to worship there. I mentioned praying in a closet last week. Most people don't find that interesting, but I want to tell you, like I said, no matter your age or circumstance, God sees you as a champion. He sees you as faith-filled. He sees you as a fire-breathing saint for Him. He sees every one of us penetrating the workforce, moving in our family's lives, moving in our schools. That's what God sees. That's what I see. And the world can catch fire around you if you're lit up like a flame. That flame begins at an altar. An altar in your heart. See, I know you're human, and as a human you need supernatural influence. Okay? You don't do this intellectually. You do this with spirit power. That happens at altars. Originally, the altar was about presenting sacrifices. And here's a little trivia. Noah is the first person in the Bible to build an altar. Okay? You can share that at a party. Okay? Hey, ladies, did you know? First person to build an altar was Noah. And they'll go, whoo, or they'll go, whoo. Abraham built one. Isaac did. They're all throughout the Bible. Jacob, Moses. It was a pattern. And it had a special purpose. It was about making sacrifices. But as Jesus came into this world and laid down his life for us, it shifted a little bit, the purpose of the altar. As Christ came, he became the last sacrifice to be burned on the altar. And so the altar now takes on new meanings for us. Romans 12 and 1 really encapsulates it. I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God. That is your spiritual service of worship. Okay, so what is worship? Okay. It's singing songs, it's reading scripture, it's coming, it's all those things. But the biggest thing that makes worship worship is when you are presenting yourself before your altar to God. That's why we lift our hands. We we're in surrender. That's why we feel these things we feel when we sing. It's not because the words are so good, even though they're good. It's, it's because there's a thing happening spiritually. We're presenting ourselves before God constantly, constantly. Worship is so important. I urge you, brethren, Paul said, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. Give it to God. That's how you worship Him, Okay. So the altar is a place to present ourselves. So instead of the bull or the lamb sacrifice, it's you. It's you. And it's about your soul catching on fire. The altar before God. As you allow your soul to be on fire before God and present it to God, and God laps it up and, and, and accepts it and loves it, it makes the rest of your life fall into place. This is where all the questions of life get answered. It's not about the college you're going to go to. It's not about the job you're going to get. It's not about the girl you're going to marry. All those things are important. They're vitally important. But what has to happen first is this altar in our lives. That's what God is looking for. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, if you build an altar in your heart for God, it'll bring good things to you. Your soul on fire, it makes the rest of your life fall into place. And here's the thing. Once you have an altar, you never want to tear it down. Going back to Gideon real fast, after he built the altar immediately God started using him. 
Verse 25. It says this. That same night, the Lord said to him, Take the second bull from your father's herd, the one seven years old, tear down your father's altar to Baal, cut down the Asherah pole beside it, then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on the top of this height. Use the wood of the Asherah pole that you cut down. Offer the second bull as a burnt offering. So, Gideon, that night, takes ten of his servants... How cool to have them. He had ten. Ten guys went with him. Already he's influencing. And he does as the Lord told him. And because he was afraid of his family and the townspeople, he did it at night. Now, that probably made a lot of sense. Because when the, when the town discovered that he had torn down the altars of Baal, they got really mad. And it wasn't just any altar. It was the altar of his father that he tore down. Already he's influencing his family. Wow. Can kids, can kids influence their parents? Absolutely. And he even took the wood from the pole to build the altar. That's cool. Baal was the most popular god, a false god in those days, kind of the alternative to the Lord, but there were numerous kinds. The Ashura pole was also there to stand for a goddess of fertility. And so Gideon took his ten guys and off they went and they did it because they didn't want to get killed, rightfully so. And when the people the next day wanted to kill him, his father stood up and defended him. It's amazing what happens. His father starts to see things differently. If you read the story carefully, you'll see it. And it says, verse 33, very exciting point we're going to end on today. All the Midianites and the Amalekites and the other eastern peoples joined forces and crossed over the Jordan and camped in the valley of Jezreel. Okay, they're about to attack. Verse 34. But then the Spirit of the Lord came on Gideon. Oh, I love this. He blew a trumpet. That's so cool. He summoned the Abiasrites. Okay, use that in a sentence this week. It's really difficult. Abiasrites. He summoned the Abiasrites. He sent messengers throughout Manasseh, calling them to arms. And he also went into Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali, so that they too went up to meet him. Okay? So the bad guys move in to bring more terror, and the Spirit of the Lord comes on this young man who was once unbelieving, but who's now had some conversations. He's built his altar, and God is about to use him. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And, and the Hebrew explanation, the Hebrew word for the Spirit of the Lord coming upon him, really is best described as the Spirit of the Lord clothed him. It wrapped around him perfectly. It's fit on his body. It's amazing. When the Spirit of the Lord comes upon you, it's going to fit you really good. It's going to be just for you. So that's my next note today. Put on God's Spirit. Allow it to come upon you. Believe in it. When the Spirit of God comes upon you, it may feel new, but it will be perfect. That's an awesome image for us. The Abiasrites were members from Gideon's original clan, by the way. These are his peeps. These are families in the Manasseh tribe. These are Gideon's people. So he's influenced his dad and now his tribe and his town, his high school buddies. The Spirit of God is upon him. And they put down their false god worship and they join him in a battle for God. It's incredible what's going on here in this story. It excites me so much because I see how much God wants to use you and me and if he's using you or me, 
it's going to influence people around you. Period. Period. My last note for you this morning, and I'll get more into this next week, is you're learning to win. All these things are so vitally important. Build your altar. Have the conversations. Let the Spirit of God come on you. And then blow some horns for God. Do something for Him. Get jiggy with it. <laughs> oh, that was so old. My son is now going to bury his head. I, I didn't do a... At least I didn't moonwalk. Thought about it. That would really be embarrassing. God wants you to get after it for Him. He does. He wants you to blow a horn around you. He wants you to let the world know that you belong to Him. But I guarantee you this, you'll struggle to do that if you haven't first built an altar to Him. You'll struggle because you'll be unsure. You'll be unsure. We spoke this morning about how difficult it can be, how difficult it can be to go against the crowd in our Bible study time this morning. Great, great talk time. How difficult it can be to be different. You know, it can even be difficult to be different in your family. Imagine going into his dad's backyard and tearing down his father's religious idol. Imagine. That could make you scared. The same dad that had grounded him from driving the car so many times. Same dad. You know, that was big. Imagine what it was like when he took out that horn. And maybe, I don't know what the time frame here, maybe it's three weeks earlier, he's down trying to hide from everybody. He's got a horn in his hand, and he's calling his family to arms. That's an incredible image. That's the image I have for you today. That person. That's who I want to be. That person. That person. Would you pray with me this morning? Our perfect God in heaven, our minds, Lord, maybe we feel inspired by a message like this today, but our minds will remind us of all the questions. And so I pray for those questions. First of all, God, no question bores you. No problem is too big for you. God, help us. Help us to continue to bring our questions before you. And God, let that conversation lead us to you and then God I pray that every one of us in this room has made certain that the altar of worship that we're going to have in our life is the altar that belongs to you and we're going to put that in our hearts I pray for that